I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name's Shelley Johnson. I'm a HR consultant and the founder at Bold Side, Emily Bowen. Hey, Shell. I'm mixing it up today. I see what you've done there. I'm Emily Bowen, I am, and I'm the COO of Rare Kind. Okay, Em, what are we doing today? Today is all about our listeners. It's all about you guys. We're answering your questions. We've dug into the treasure chest that is the My Millennial Money Facebook group. If you're not on it, I dare you to join. Uh, There's so much good content in there and lots of story sharing and there's just more and more career content, which is amazing. So we thought we better jump in and share our opinion. Yeah. So we've got a few questions we're going to hit on today. But before we do, for our longtime listeners and our new listeners, we just want to say thank you for being part of our community. We really appreciate you. Love hanging out. We've been getting a lot more messages and connections on LinkedIn as well. So thanks heaps. And if you do enjoy the show, I'm going to say this up front, give us a rating and review wherever you listen, if it's on Spotify or Apple, really means a lot to us and helps us to get the podcast out there. Totally. Couldn't have said it better myself. All right. We've got straight up quotation marks. Please help one totally lost millennial. Now, we don't have a name for this person, uh, but I'm going to read out the question and I'm sure this will resonate with, with more than one of you. I'm 35 and I need advice on a new career path I can take. I've been in the same industry at different companies for 15 years in call centre roles, specialising in customer service, but I really feel I've lost myself since becoming a mum. And I just pick the easy jobs that work around my family. I'm willing to do a course, but I'm lost on what I should study and feel overwhelmed when I go on seek. Oh, good question. I know, I know. And we do have a little bit more information um, that we can unpack as we go. But oh, this whole career change, new career path piece, it feels like it's just it's always been there, but the swell, the groundswell is just enormous. And I think if you if you think about the career life cycle, a lot of people who are in that, you know, millennial kind of age category are getting to that point where they've been in a career for maybe, maybe seven to 10 years and they're starting to get that itch for, oh, I'm a bit bored, I want a new thing. And so this makes sense that we're starting to see this rise in the number of people saying, oh, what do I do now? And it's a really good chance to go, I guess my concern when people start to say, I think I need a career change is the knee jerk reaction, M. So it's very easy when you're like, get me out of what I'm doing to just kind of pick the next thing, like almost like you're drawing it out of the hat because you're just like, get me out of what I'm doing. But before we get to that point, we want to be thinking about, I guess, going back to our strengths. I really think that strengths are a key part of figuring out your next move. And we have done an episode on that before, but I'd love to know your thoughts, Em, on how we how we kind of dig into our strengths to understand our next career move 
and and what that would look like for you? Well, something that's interesting about this question, and and I did say we've got some extra context, we sort of summarised the question a little bit, but one thing that they have said to us is, this listener, is they've said, I feel like I'm wasting my life. And I agree with you on strengths. There is absolutely a correlation typically between what we enjoy and what we're good at. So if we can hone in on our strengths and we can build our career around that and and we can, I guess, find where our sweet spot is and spend as much time as possible there, the higher the chance we're going to enjoy it. But on this I'm wasting my life piece, when it comes to connecting that with strengths, I'd really encourage you not to feel like the last 5, 10, 15 years that have gotten you to this point have been a waste. Rather, I like to think of them as an experiment, as a self, a process of self-awareness and learning about what are those things that I really enjoy? What are those things that I don't enjoy? What toll has take, been taken from doing what I'm doing? What decisions have I been making and, and what, how have I been making my decisions and for what reasons? And what shifts do I now need to make because of all of that learning so that I can better play into my strengths? So I guess I like to think of it not as a waste, but as just really useful research and information that you can then take with you to move forward. And also I love that M around the last 15 years is or 10 years or whatever is not a waste. So let's just get that clear up front because the things that the skills that you've actually built are going to be really crucial into the next career move, whatever that is. So acknowledging that up front. And then I think the big first step when you're getting to this big career change, before you start thinking about the new thing is we need to know what the problem is. Like what's the problem? And remember we talked to Ben Carruthers ages ago, way back. So if you go and start listening to some of the catalogue of episodes, it was using design thinking to solve a career problem. And he's a designer and, and it's this concept of design thinking before you get to a solution, you really need to dig into understanding the problem at the moment. And so for this person, we want to really go back to, okay, what is it that I don't like? Like list it out, go really specific and detailed. I don't like this, this, and this, and this about my current role, because then you've got that data set to look at, well, if I'm going to move across to something else, are those things still going to be there? Absolutely. And for this listener in particular, it was interesting to hear you shall talk about, let's try not to get to that place where we, we end up feeling like, you know, we're going to do a knee-jerk reaction, get me out of here, move as quick as possible. Interestingly, this listener has found themselves in a bit of a different place, which is, I guess it's gone on for so long that they've been in the same industry, albeit at different companies. They've become a mum by the sounds of it during that time. And they're now feeling like they, they're just overwhelmed. They're stuck. They almost don't. It's like that analysis paralysis or that sense of I'm on seek and I just don't even know where to begin because it's so overwhelming with choice. And so to your point, Shell, about thinking like a designer and really working out what is the problem that we're trying to solve, I can't help but wonder if, and we're absolutely getting pen and paper out here or, you know, keyboard and screen, and we're writing it down. And then when you go on to seek, you can actually start to work out, okay, this ad is appealing to me. Why is that? And how do, how can I cross-check that with that? The like problems. The list? Yeah, <laughs> and the problems and the things that I don't want more of as well as the things that I do want That's right. Of. And when we think about the things we do want more of, so we start with all the things we don't want, then the things we do want, 
check those against your strengths. So if your strength is in attention to detail and you're just like super great at that, also love you, you're amazing. <laughs> not, like just want to say you're great, um, not my strength. So if that is your strength, make sure that the roles that you're looking for align with that. So thinking all these things through, you then have this this view of what am I good at? What do I love? What am I excited by? What do I want to avoid at all costs? And that gives you almost like a platform. It's kind of like walking up a diving platform where then you get to the top and you're like, I'm going to take the plunge for something new, but I've actually done all the steps to get there. And so it's a safer jump when I get to the top. Yeah. And giving yourself the space to look at each individual job ad without worrying about the other 10 or 100 or 1,000 that are sitting in the list as well. Let's just look at the first one. Let's do an assessment of that. Let's decide how we feel about that. Let's maybe, you know, tick the favourite sort of marker and put it on our maybe list. Then let's go to the second ad and let's do the same with that rather than feeling like you do a search on Seek, it brings up 7,423 job ads and you just are scrolling thinking how can I even tell the difference between each of these. Yeah, and and it's also, you know, when you're making a big decision, we're wanting to give you as much information to make the right call. And as you're doing that, knowing that it's also okay, this might sound like a contradiction to what I just said, but it's also okay if you make a call, you get into a new career and you think, oh, this still isn't for me. Like I think each time you're getting more data for your kind of collection of this is what I love, this is what I don't love and those are good positive experiences on the whole. And and look, a good way, Shell, to take one step at a time, to dip your toe in the water, to invest something but not everything and so more easily be able to change tact is – the course, you know, this listener has said, I am willing to do a course, albeit they're, they're feeling a bit lost about which one. But by doing a course in a new career space, you can get a feel for what that career is all about before changing jobs. Now, that doesn't mean you've got to sit in that same job that you've been doing for 15 years that you want to get out of. However, I hope that you can still feel a sense of renewal and feel a sense of direction. The direction is starting to change by signing up for the course while you stay on autopilot in this job you know super well and let that be your income for the time being. Yeah, and it's almost, it can be really helpful if you're in a job that you're finding boring, having the education piece or study piece on the side can actually be quite life-giving and energising. So having that kind of counter thing that's there on the go can be really helpful. And the other option is, so there's a really cool website, you may have seen it or not, but it's called Coursera and they do lots of, Um, short courses and some of them are free and so jump on there and have a look like if you're wanting to make a change from customer service roles to data analytics they've got lots of technical short courses so jump on have a look at that the other thing that we've talked about a lot on this podcast is this idea of volunteering and getting a job preview so how do you get that insight into a new job and Talk to your people in your network, ask to volunteer. It is so worth it, even though it costs you because you need as much insight into these different careers in order to make the right call for you. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully that will bring you a sense of purpose that you haven't already had and and give you that sense that you are starting to change directions. If we can reiterate what we've said already, though, you have absolutely not wasted your career so far. It's just time for something new. 
All right, I'm bringing out the quotation marks again and we're going to give this next question a subheading and the subheading for this one is what will it take for you to stay? So this listener, uh, I recently made it known to my employer that I have interviewed with and received an offer for another job in a different industry. That is a tough conversation to have. There was no major pushback from them and they immediately started advertising to fill the role. Two weeks later, they have not found someone and they've come to me asking what it would take to stay. My current job is electrical engineer paying 80k and the job I was going to accept is asset maintenance engineer at 90k for a council. It's not a massive pay jump, so not worth switching jobs over, but it would give me a chance to develop a new set of skills. I've been with the same company since before I graduated, so about four years. I enjoy and am proud of my work, but my learning definitely plateaued after the first two. The podcast on Should I Change Jobs made me reflect a little. When I gave it thought, the other jobs I could apply for today and in four years' time, if I stayed in my current role, would be much the same. Added to this, the majority of the roles I see advertised with similar descriptions are for electrical draftsmen and pay more like 85k. I was given until this Friday to sign the contract for the new job and I told my manager I would get back to him on Thursday regarding my decision. <sighs> What's the listener to do? Ooh, yeah, big one. I mean, there's a couple of things in this question that I'm thinking through. And the first one is that when this person resigned, they there was no, they said there's no major pushback from my employer. They immediately started to advertise a role. Two weeks later, they found, they had not found someone. And then they came back to me asking what it would take to say, red flag from me. Totally. Like, why didn't they say first up? Like they actually accepted the resignation and then they've tested the market and they couldn't find anyone. Then they came back and said, well, now we'll pay you more. That's, I reckon that's crap. Yeah. Look, I'm not a massive fan of counter offers. In general. Stop. Yeah. Yep. So I tend to think if you're heading down the path of a job breakup, so you're planning on resigning or you're looking around, you're feeling like it's time for a change. However, you're not 100% sold on that. I would encourage you as the employee to be having that conversation earlier than at the time you resign. So by the time you're resigning, I really think you you know, my belief is you're in a position where you've gone through a process of making that decision. You've either found another job or you've come to peace with the fact that you're leaving and you don't have another job or you're doing something else. And, you know, that for me is final. Um, If you're in a position where the employer can then talk you out of that, I guess I just wonder how long, like what's the time frame until that expires and you're feeling the same again, even if they do put more money on the table. Uh, If you've decided to resign because things aren't working for you and they promise to change things, like offer you more flexibility, I just believe in having that conversation as part of the employment conversation, not part of the resignation conversation. So again, I guess, you know, those thoughts float around in my mind. But to your point in this scenario, Shell, and, and there are others similar to this, usually if an employer is going to make a counter offer, I guess there's always just that funny like, well, why didn't you pay me that much before? And it, and it does swirl up a whole bunch of other question marks. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of it either. I think you're absolutely right, Em. I, I also feel particularly sad in this situation where they went to market first. Yeah. And I just think, oh, like if, so I'd be leaving. <laughs> My well, short answer would be I'd be leaving. <laughs> at the risk of uh uh, making, you know, some uh, creating this as a dating situation that we then use an, as an analogy. It's a little bit like you're in a relationship for four years. You go, oh, I might just 
like, I'm going to break up with you. Oh, okay, no worries. And then you go off and test the waters and you're like, oh, actually there's nothing better out there. I might come back. Will you have me back now? Like, <laughs> yes. I don't know. Maybe like that would work <laughs> totally. in some situations. I have no doubt. But it's, it's not, not how the you, idea. No, it's not yeah. how you'd love for it to go down. And counter offers are often driven by a financial incentive, but really your career satisfaction is more about your strengths, your skills, your opportunities. So thinking that through of going, money's an easy thing to put on the table. And yeah, money's great. We want we want to have more of it. But it's not everything when it comes down to your actual job satisfaction. So yeah. keep that in mind. And this particular listener, so much of their decision making has has been around I've been here for four years. If I hang around for another four years, I'll be applying for and doing the same job. Whereas if I change and I move to this council job, sure, it's paying a bit more, but more important than that, it's actually going to offer me a new skill set that I wouldn't otherwise get. So look, as an update, we ended up hearing from this listener and they were offered, so their counter offer um, from their current or their, you know, existing employer was 93K. So that's 13K increase overnight in inverted commas increase wow and uh it's a 3k increase on the new job offer at the council which would also come with the opportunity to develop a new set of skills uh and where this listener landed is that they handed they handed in their letter of resignation it's interesting if you're an employer out there it does make you think about stay interviews like instead of waiting till someone resigns, if you've got more money that you can give your people to stay so that you avoid those conversations altogether, do it. Like have that conversation earlier. If you're a manager, that's for you. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's on, it's challenge, challenge on you. Uh, all right. Hey, let's take a break, Shell. We'll regroup and we'll come back and answer the last couple of questions. Uh, there's, oh, there's an interesting one in here, actually. We'll talk to you after the break. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com covered. All right, we're back. M. What's coming up? Number three. All right. This is a micromanager question and this feels like, it's like, you know, it's such a gritty question. Uh, I think most of us have been here before. So I'll hit you with it. 
Our listener says, I've been at my job for a little less than a year. And while I love the actual job and my team, I'm really struggling with my manager. She's a typical micromanager, goes over my head and does my job without consulting me, despite it not being part of her job at all, takes out her bad mood and issues she experiences in her personal life on the team. The list goes on. She's also not concerned with doing a good job and very much has the attitude of just get it done, which goes against every part of how I work. I've raised my issues in two reviews so far and I just don't feel like much has changed. It's got to the point where I don't look forward to work and I'm slowly starting to lose passion for my job. I think above all else, we've just got such different personalities and ways of doing things. I really want to leave, but I'm conscious it may look bad on my resume given I haven't even been there for a year. I'm only in the early stages of my career. This is the second company I've worked full time at. So I'm really torn about what I should do. I feel like I'm copping out too early. Mm, this is an awesome question. And and I- how? Sorry, Shelby, how good that this listener has raised That's it already. Exactly right? what I was just about yeah. to say. I was like, yes, amazing that the person has has gone to their their boss and said, "I've like raised the concerns around micromanagement." However, they've done that. Awesome. So, I think what I would say, if you've already had that conversation twice and you've tried to raise it now, let's say the first time was very gentle, subtle. The second time, you're a bit more direct. If they haven't picked up on the fact that it's not working for you, their leadership style and potentially other people in the team have probably had issues and raised it as well, then my sense is you start looking for those other opportunities. Your boss has such a huge effect on your engagement. Like I feel like I say that every episode. Yeah, I agree with you, Shell. The only little, uh, I guess, devil's advocate line of thinking that I've come up with is I was I was thinking about the episode we did on bad bosses. Um, so you might be, you're, you're good at remembering the detail of episodes, but there was an episode we did and it was, we talked about when you've got a bad boss, how can you actually for a period of time use that to your advantage in the sense that, for example, it can give you the opportunity to practice your own leadership skills, to learn more about what you like and, and don't like, and actually play to your strengths around them. Now, this is very I believe like emotionally and mentally challenging and it can be quite draining. But if you can frame it up in your mind where you go, okay, I'm early in my career. I've got decades ahead of me of dealing with difficult people. I've been dealt this hand, you know, straight up basically. It's not something that I've learned how to deal with in the past, but this listener in particular, how amazing, as we said, that they've, they're having the conversation what else can you do just to like practice some of those skills in how do you actually work with somebody that is different to you? Because I guarantee it will not be the last time. Em, you are 100% right. I'm really glad that you said that. <laughs> my, as you my, my initial response is like, oh, just leave. But I'm you're 100% because you're going to encounter heaps of difficult people at work. That's just the nature of it. You work in like a melting pot of all different personalities. So Yes, thank you for challenging my thinking on that. And to this listener, I think it was um, Michelle Gibbings who said, and she used this expression of like sucking every every learning opportunity you can out of it, out of a bad boss experience. And so I do love that concept and it is grit. So take what I said before and 
big prepared to um, scrap that because I love actually what you well, said just, a lot Just more. pause it, right? Like don't get me wrong. <laughs> Nobody wants to work for a difficult boss for an extended period yes. of time. And we want you to recognise when when is the expiry and then take like a few steps back from that and make sure you leave good. early enough that it doesn't affect you beyond what is constructive. That's so good. This is why I love doing this podcast <laughs> because I love the, the conversations we have of digging in and – you're, you're so right, Em. So I think that's a good thing of going, having a timeline in mind and even a goal could, could you could say, I want to get to this point. I want to get to 18 months for my resume purposes. And that might be like another little motivator that's external to your boss that's not as fixed on the current situation. And then the other dynamic is working out are there situations and creative ways you can work around the micromanagement? Is there things that you can be doing to... I guess counter some of what they're like one thing you can actually say and and you know what having encouraging conversations with your boss can help so if your boss is a micromanager it might be going to them going I feel like you've got a lot on your plate you do so much and you know flattery is uh, for me I feel like flattery is uncomfortable but people do respond to it. Yeah what you are really good at though Shell is giving really good specific positive feedback And so we could think of it as that, right? So if we then use that of going, give them the specific positive feedback then about what they do well. I've noticed you do this and you really want to be in X, Y and Z tasks and I love that. I'm also conscious that that might be taking you away from doing X, Y, Z over here. How can I help you do the things that you need to focus on so that you're not so swamped in this type of work that's not really adding much value to your role? If I can go down another rabbit hole, the other challenge I would put to our listener in order to use this time to their advantage in building their career and developing their professional skills is you're right, listener, you know, you've got someone here who by the sounds of it, you guys just have such different personalities and ways of doing things. What I would encourage you to think about is there's often more than one right way and just because somebody else's way is different doesn't mean that it's better or worse. Now, that's not universally true. Like there are times where there might be a way that is better or is worse. But in this scenario where you've got a micromanaging manager who has more of an attitude of just get it done and you feel like that goes against every part of how you work, well, a lesson I personally have learned um, over, you know, the hard way over my career is sometimes just get it done and sometimes 80% is good enough. And if we are trying to work to 110% on everything all the time, that becomes very inefficient. It can lead to burnout. It's not commercially clever. And so I guess, look, again, I might be playing devil's advocate and I'm, I'm sort of using my imagination a little bit here to fill some gaps. But I wonder whether there might also be some takeaways in going, when is it the case that actually the way that my manager is approaching this task with a just get it done mentality when is it the case that that actually is okay and that is what is necessary and that is the best outcome? Mm. Yeah, that's a really good call out and takeaway. <laughs> so thank yeah, you. I, oh, and look, me too, reflecting on these situations with you, whether we've been through them ourselves before or we're just trying to draw on experiences we've had in order to piece together an answer, uh, it, it's good to think about and it's just fascinating every time how different people are and how we get to all be in this melting pot of the workplace. That's right, Totally. Okay, last question. 
Does anyone have any suggestions on where to look for jobs at the moment? I'm looking to move out of government, but I'm finding most jobs on Seeker in government or in roles advertised by recruiting agencies with limited information. I really value cultural fit and like to read up on companies. Any advice would be appreciated. I feel like anytime I see uh, mention of recruitment agencies, I'm like, let me at it. Let me at it. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Uh, So my, you know, just park the government piece for a second. We can come to that. My comment on this will go to the recruitment agencies with limited information in their job ads first. And dear listener, uh, I understand you like to read up on companies. I would encourage you to now, look, okay, let me pause actually, take a step back. Don't get me wrong. Some recruitment agencies, just like some direct hiring companies, write really crap ads. You know what? Most of us probably, most of them probably do. They're a few companies, whether they be that direct hiring employer or a recruitment agency who write good ads, good job ads. It is a skill in itself and it's absolutely uh, underestimated from that point of view. That said, that is what we're dealing with when we're applying for jobs and, and when we're weeding through Seek in order to work out, well, which jobs would I like to apply for? And I would encourage you while you're looking for the perfect ad and you're looking for comprehensive information in a job ad, not to use that as a reason to stop, but instead just go, oh, cool, that company or that recruitment agency has a job available. There's limited information. From what I'm getting as a bit of a teaser, I think I'd like to learn more. And then rather than your next step being to be able to go and read up on the company, why not pick up the phone or I guess reach out to that recruitment agency or even just apply for the job, which I understand takes time but you will end up going down a path at that point of being able to learn more, learn who it is, go and do your reading and you don't have to accept the job until it's offered to you. You can pull out any time. I guess I'm just trying to look at this a little bit of a different way and really soften this expectation around needing to go and read up on the companies. Yeah, that's awesome. The other thing I think about, you you make a really good point around the job ads not being that good (laughs) because one of the things that happens when you're recruiting is everything's urgent. So so picture yourself, like picture the employer. The employer has had a resignation and the person's leaving in two weeks, best case scenario. Like let's say that they've got two weeks left. All of a sudden they're like, crap, we need to recruit. It's going to take us 10 weeks to get someone in the door. And so they realise they're down a person and everything's frantic. So they're just trying to pump this job out out and there might be information missing. There might be things that you're like, what does that even mean? Um, yeah, not ideal. That's what you're working with though. So looking at those things, I love the idea of applying every time you're applying for a job. And one of the things I I feel like lots of uh, people, um, who ask me, oh, should I apply for this? Should I apply for this? I'm often like, why not? Like, just go for it. Every time you do that, it's a learning experience every time you go through an application process and I know it's time consuming but I rec- I think each moment is this huge learning experience that is so valuable whether you get it or not you might get in there and think that job's not for me but it's not a wasted moment. No absolutely not and it could also be that the takeaway is well I didn't really like how that organization handled the recruitment process or the communication with me so you know what they're not the company for me I won't apply for jobs with them and again in the future and it's funny you say um Shell what you often hear one of the things I'll hear from friends in particular is I just don't know if I if I should apply like I just don't know if if I want that job 
Like there's a lot of things I do like about it and I just can't help it. As I said earlier, you haven't been offered the job yet. You know, the, the company has said, hey, we've got this job available and you can say, hey, I might like to learn a bit more about it. But no one's like, you're not getting married yet. So <laughs> just yes. think cool your jets and it's low risk to apply. Well, if you think about it like car shopping, yeah, you're going to test drive a few and they're not all going to work out for you. And so see each application process as that test drive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, final note from me on this one is also uh, consider, even if you're not getting as much information from the job ad as you would prefer, think about social media. Can you follow that company on LinkedIn? Do they have an Instagram or TikTok presence? Where else can you find out about them? In Check a way, their website. Yeah, that's yep. a bit more dynamic. Typically, the the rule, regardless of whether the, whether the ad is written well or not, the rule is not to have it become a novel or not to have it be overwhelming with information, just to have it be a bit more of a, hey, FYI, we've got this job available, wet your appetite, teaser, come and, you know, learn more. And so you're probably going to be um, finding that yeah, it's lighter on an information in order to appeal to most people who don't wish to read very much. Yeah, awesome. All right, well, that's all we've got time for today. We're going to wrap it up. Hey, I love I love our chats. Yeah, these are good, <laughs> aren't they? It's funny, these Q&A ones are great because we pop the questions uh, together that we find from the, the Facebook group, the My Millennial Money Facebook group and then we just roll with it. And, you know, I'm always surprised that I come away learning something too. And so if you do have more questions, put them in the Facebook community and find, you can find Em and I on LinkedIn. That's where we um, spend most of our time. So connect with us there. And as always, as I said up front, if you enjoy the show, share with a friend. Thanks, Shell. Talk to you soon. See ya. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.